Well, Happy New Year, Freedom House. How's everybody doing? Hey, give your neighbor a high five and tell them you did the best thing you could do by being in church on the very first day of 2023. Love it. Making God a priority. That's right. Not only you guys here, but we have tons of people joining us online from Georgia. We'll get to them later. South Carolina, Michigan, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, New Mexico, Netherlands, and Ohio. Ohio. All I'm going to say is I lost a lot of sleep last night. That's all. I'm a Buckeye fan. My friend up front is a Wolverines fan. We are not represented in the national championship. That's all we're going to say. <laughs> so anyways, nonetheless, if you don't know who we are, we are Aaron and Stephanie Blant. We are the campus pastors here at Central Campus, and we are part of the teaching team. If you don't know what the teaching team is and you're new to Freedom House, each and every campus you go to, we have a live communicator every single week. Today, we have something a little special for you, which yeah, we're going to tell you about in just a minute. But that is the vision of our senior pastors, Troy and Penny Maxwell. They want to share the platform. They know God's gifted other people as communicators and want to bring the word of God to you no matter where you're at. So can we give it up for them? Let's give them some Come honor on. today. Well, we are excited to kick off a new series on this first day of 2023. And this series is called Armor of God. It is all about being battle ready against the forces of evil. You see, it's not if the enemy's gonna attack, it is when the enemy is gonna attack. And that means we need to be suited up and armed with God's weapons. Those weapons are mighty. We're talking about the helmet of salvation that guards our mind. We're talking about the breastplate of righteousness that reminds us that we are righteous in Christ, not in our own abilities, in Christ. The belt of truth, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith that we can hold up and extinguish every fiery dart of the enemy. And lastly, the shoes of peace. Are you ready to be suited up in 2023? So to help us kick off this series, we are doing something very special. It's called a five on five. That is where five communicators each get five minutes to share a victory story with you. Their stories today are going to encourage you and empower you and equip you to be suited up with God's armor. Now, there are rules of engagement. Absolutely. Got to have rules of engagement. Rules of engagement. And it does require audience participation. Participation. So listen up. Very interactive service today, okay? You're not just going to sit in one spot. I hope you didn't come to try to get some extra sleep. You guys are in the late service. You should have already done that, all right? So... Here's what's going to happen. We're going to introduce a speaker. When they come on the platform, I want you to jump to your feet, give them a huge round of applause. Some of them have never spoken on this platform before. So we really want to encourage them. And listen, they got five minutes, not five minutes and 30 seconds, not six minutes. They got five minutes. With one minute left in the countdown, you're going to see a board go up that says one minute. Then there's going to be a 30-second board. And then on the clocks on the screen, you're going to see 10, 9, 8, all the way down to zero. When it hits zero, I want you to jump to your feet. Give them a huge round of applause for sharing their testimony with you, and it is going to be phenomenal. Are you ready to get going? It is. Without further ado, we're going to go ahead and introduce our first speaker. She is a mom. She's a wife. Uh, She actually had a baby a little over a year ago, and she's also a full-time employee. And in addition to that, she serves on our guest services team. She's part of our communications team, and she's a life group leader. Talk about an overachiever, right? Also, guys, I'm just here to tell you she can kick some butt because she's a CrossFitter. So you might want to listen up. 
Without further ado, jump to your feet and help me welcome to the platform, KT Armshead. Thank you, Pastor Steph. Thank you guys so much. So like Pastor Steph was saying, I recently had the honor of becoming a mom in November of 2021. I have a picture of our first child, our lovely little Zeke boy. If that doesn't warm your heart, something's wrong with you guys. Um, So my husband, Matt, and I, we have Zeke. We have our little buffalo plaid family there. um, And it's just been so awesome to get to be his parent and grow during this season. I could stare at them all day. I know you guys probably could too. We only have five minutes together, so let's jump right in. So about six months into having Zeke, I began to suffer from what I thought was separation anxiety, but it really was a spiritual battle over the fear of not being in control. If I wasn't physically with my son, I would feel this worry, these horrible what-if, worst-case scenarios come over me. Um, One day I had to run over to Lake Norman without Zeke, and from the moment I stepped foot in my driveway, I could feel fear just coming over me. I got in my car, I texted my girls to pray for me, I turned on some worship music, and by the time I was at the stop sign at the end of our street, I was death gripping the steering wheel, my heart was pounding through my chest, and I just began to sob. I cried the whole way there, and I just repeated over and over in my head, inhale Jesus, exhale fear, because I couldn't even muster words. Attacks like this of varying degrees continued over the next several months, whether I was leaving Zeke with Matt to run to the grocery store, or even leaving him down the hallway to walk into this very room. I remember one day calling my sister up, being so frustrated, saying, I'm reading Psalm 91 all the time. I'm praying all the time. I have people praying over me. What am I doing wrong? And I'll never forget what she said. She said, you love a challenge. I said, excuse me? She said, you love a challenge. You do CrossFit. You do these crazy hard workouts, pushing yourself to your physical limit, all so you can get stronger. Why don't you approach your spiritual growth the same as your as your spiritual growth, the same as your physical. Now that was a game changing moment. Something in my mindset shifted and I went from this victim mindset of, oh God, why am I still going through this to, all right, God, let's do this. So today I'm gonna share with you very quickly the four P's of perseverance. These four P's put into action not only help me overcome my fear, but I now know how to stop the enemy in his tracks when he tries to attack. So get out your notes, get out your phone, you're gonna wanna write these things down. The first P is praise. We have to shift our gaze to God. When we get so focused on our problem, we're really limiting God, but God is always bigger than whatever problem we're facing. When we remind ourselves of who God is and we start thanking him for what he's done, it starts to stir up some hope and faith of what he will do in the future. The second P is peace. We have to create an environment for peace, and we do that by being in the word. In Ephesians 6, 15, it says, and with their feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. This reminds me of Psalm 18, where it says, he'll make your feet like a deer. In some translations, that word for deer is actually a mountain goat. Now stay with me here, guys. I want you to picture a mountain goat. They scale these massive rock faces. They quickly maneuver and pivot all while keeping their gaze on the horizon. When we're armed with God's word and we know his promises and his truth, we too can quickly maneuver and pivot no matter what battle we're facing, all while keeping our gaze on God. The third P is prayer. We need to be praying all the time. And I'm not saying drop on your knees in the grocery store. It's more like a dialogue, like you're talking to a friend throughout your day. We don't only need to be praying in the natural, but we need to meet spiritual battles right on the battlefield and be praying in the spirit. God left us this awesome gift of the Holy Spirit. When you are in a battle, don't you want who God calls the helper on your side? 
If you wanna learn more about the Holy Spirit, grab a leader. We're gonna have leaders up here after service. Don't leave here without being fully equipped with the arsenal that God has for you. The fourth P is people. In my story, you heard I had people pointing me back to truth, speaking life over me. Who we surround ourselves with, it matters. In Galatians 6, it says we're to carry one another's burdens. We are not designed to do life alone. Throughout the rest of this month, you're gonna be hearing all about life groups. Mark your calendars right now, January 22nd. Sign up for a life group. Start this year out right being plugged into the community that God has in store for you. Today, I shared with you guys about my fear. Fear, anxiety, worry, what ifs. These are all burdens we are not meant to carry. In Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will not let the righteous be shaken. So my question for you today is, do you wanna enter this year being unshakable? I'm gonna ask you guys one more time. You slept in. Do you wanna enter this year being unshakable? There we go. To do that, we have to stand firm on the word of God and know that there is no battle the cross has not already won. Thank you, guys. Woo, come on. Great job. Phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. I want you guys to think about that, what the catalyst was. It was the person who challenged her to face spiritual battle like she does physical stuff. It's very, very important who you surround yourself around with every single time. She talked about life groups. Life groups are coming up. Launch is January 22nd. Surround yourself with people who will challenge you. We don't want to go into 2023 just being the same old, same old. No, we want to be challenged to go deeper in our walk with Christ, right? All right, so our next speaker I'm very excited about bringing to the platform. You probably have seen him and his wife greeting you on the way in. They are lobby hosts here. They serve on the dream team. And he plays a mean game of basketball. I will tell you that much. He's a life group leader. He, I love his heart for ministry. Can you get on your feet? Welcome, Quentin Palmer. All right, thank you, thank you. All right. So as I even get started, I want to confess something. So I have not honestly been conscious of the armor of God recently. This is something that I haven't been actively recalling to my mind. And when Pastor Steph asked me to speak on this theme, I felt some conviction because I haven't been equipping myself with the armor of God like the word of God charges me to do. But I believe that the times we are living in call for a daily suiting up of the armor of God. So Paul in Ephesians 6.15 says, as shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So we immediately have to recognize the context of this scripture. The metaphor of the armor of God, it's based on a first century Roman soldier. And one of the features of their armor was that they would have these spikes on the bottoms of their shoes that would serve a multifunctional purpose. Now, one function in particular was that they were able to navigate through rough terrain. And scholars say that that feature alone set them apart from their enemies. So as Paul describes, the gospel produces a readiness, a readiness to navigate through rough terrain, to go where God says to go or do what God says to do. This isn't an anxious readiness, but as the Apostle Paul says, it's the gospel of peace. So it's a peaceful readiness. You know, I remember this readiness becoming a reality in my life, a time where God spoke to me to do something, and I had to put on the shoes given to me by the gospel of peace. About six years ago, right after I finished up college, I uh, spent about a month in this small country in Africa called Swaziland. And I remember Right across from where we were staying was this poor village, and I was actually told not to go there at night due to the unpredictability of crime. 
Now, one afternoon, I didn't have anything to do, so I just decided to pray about what to do, which can sound a little bit risky, but it turned out to be adventurous. Now, I uh, completely removed myself from distraction and just began listening for the Holy Spirit. And I remember feeling this, this nudge, this prompting to actually go over to that village I just referred to. Now, I uh, got this, immediately I started getting nervous because I was like, did God really tell me to go over there? You know, what would happen if I actually went over there? But I just went back to how God spoke to me and there was this peace in that. So I decided to rest in it. So in that moment, I then had to put on my shoes, being fully prepared to navigate through rough terrain and all sorts of uncertainty. Now, I was carrying my Bible walking through this village when I met these two women outside their houses that were literally made of stick and mud. And since I was carrying it, they asked me if I was going to speak to them about the Bible. And I said, honestly, I don't know. You know, up to that point, I was praying, just doing what I could to stay close to the Holy Spirit so he could direct me. And I got this prompting that God wanted to speak to these women. So I asked them if they've ever heard God speak to them. And they uh, found this humorous, like, what, God's speaking to me? So I just sat them down, and I went to prayer, and I simply asked God to speak to them. And I remember opening my eyes, and one of the women was just visibly shaken. And I asked her what happened. And she said that she felt this comforting presence come over her, and she heard this voice say everything was going to be okay. But the other woman didn't get anything. But I was full of faith because God really showed up for one of the women. So I just went to prayer again and asked God to specifically speak to that other woman. And when I opened my eyes, she was visibly shaken up too. And I asked her what happened. And she said she felt this comforting presence, like everything was going to be okay. You know, since I was obedient to step into God's peace, God gave peace to those two women. You know, about a week later, we were hosting a vacation Bible school, throw world country style. And we were just picking up kids from different neighborhoods. And we got to pick up the children of these women as well. So not only did I get to pray with these women, I got to teach their kids the word of God and plant seeds in their heart that I believe is reaping a harvest today. Now, ironically, the theme of the Vacation Bible School was the armor of God. Now, over six years later, God has brought this moment full circle as I stand here today to share his peace with you. So let me ask you this question. What has God been speaking to you? Is he just asking you to pause and listen to his voice? Is he asking you to step out in obedience and do something that he's been nudging you to do? Is he asking you to confidently step forward in peace? It's time to put on the shoes of readiness given by the gospel of peace. The outcome of that is purpose and life change, either for you and your family or for someone else. Someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. So don't delay. Step into the shoes of peace today. All right. Thank you, guys. Great job. Good job. Now, I want you to think about how that whole story took place. What's the first thing he did? He removed himself from distraction and listened to the word of God. God, what do you want me to do? So in 2023, as you move forward, remove yourself from distraction. Get off social media. Get off all these other things. Turn off the TV. Turn off the radio and say, God, what do you want me to do? I mean, who knows? One of those kids may go on to be the next Billy Graham in that country. We have no idea. But because he stepped out in peace, he brought peace, and then he also was able to teach the Word of God. How cool is that? So awesome. The next speaker I want to bring up, I'm super excited about you guys hearing from him today. He is on staff here at Freedom House. 
He helps advance the men's movement we have here, strong, and he is not available, ladies. I'm sorry. He's already taken. We made that very clear last service, kind of, sort of, but anyways, he won't have to explain that this time. Get on your feet. Welcome, Ethan Sodden. Thank you, uh, Pastor Aaron, for that wonderful introduction. It was actually kind of funny. First service, he said I was single. So I just spent the whole five minutes kind of clearing some things up for everybody. <laughs> um, so today I'm talking about the shield of faith, and I want to talk about how my misunderstanding of faith made my shield of faith defenseless to the enemy's arrows. In Ephesians 6.16, Paul said, in addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to block the fiery arrows of the evil one. You see, Paul described how the purpose of the shield is to block the arrows of the enemy. But due to my wrong understanding, I was left exposed to his arrows. And to me, these arrows looked like doubtfulness, discouragement, and double-mindedness. These were the arrows that were hitting me constantly in my walk with Christ. See, to me at the time, the realness of my faith was determined on if I had an emotional experience or not. And I felt like I needed an emotional experience to believe that I had faith in Jesus. And I got this misunderstanding because... I would compare my relationship with Jesus to other people's relationships with Jesus. You know, I would, I would hear stories about people having these Damascus moments. And a Damascus moment, for those of you guys who don't know, it's when someone has a great, dramatic, emotional experience with God that kind of shifts their beliefs. It's usually pretty radical and happens pretty quick. And I would always hear people having these experiences. And I, and I would think that I would have to have the same kind of experience for my faith to be real. I was constantly comparing my walk with Christ to other people's walks with Christ, questioning why I wasn't feeling the same things they were feeling. An example of this is how I compare my relationship with God to my father's relationship with him. You see, my dad is someone who I look up to in every area of life. I go to him just for advice about everything, including my girlfriend. And the reason I bring, up is, the reason I bring him up is because he had a Damascus moment of his own, and he gets emotional every time he talks about it. You know what's funny? It's we can actually be reading the same verse, and he'll start crying, now I'm standing there, not even shedding a tear. And I'm thinking to myself in those moments, Holy Spirit, are you in there? But I'm just, I was just confused. I, I didn't understand. I didn't think my faith was good enough because I wasn't having the same reaction as the people I looked up to did. And I would take these lack of emotional experiences and think that I had no faith in Jesus. And this made me doubt, doubt that I was truly saved. Doubt that I had the Holy Spirit in me. Doubt that I was even a Christian. You want to know how bad it actually was? <laughs> I actually joke with people that I'd be so desperate to find some faith that I'll look in between the couch cushions at my house to see if there's any extra laying around. <laughs> and I know this sounds funny, but it, it showed how truly desperate I was. I thought my faith in Jesus was based on emotion. I was looking to my feelings to confirm my faith. However, I soon realized I never actually stopped to ask myself what the true biblical meaning of faith actually was. So when I did actually start to ask myself this question, I did three things. Number one, I turned to the Bible and I read scripture after scripture. And usually when I read things, I fall asleep right after because that's what happens when I read. <laughs> and number two, I talked to people who were more sound in their faith than I was. I'd ask them question after question, probably annoying the heck out of them. And three, most importantly, I prayed. And what I discovered was I had the wrong understanding of faith this whole time. You see, faith isn't some feeling we have to conjure up or some emotional experience we need to have. It's a decision. 
And that decision is to put your trust in Jesus. And once I understood this, my, my outlook on what faith meant changed, and so did my walk with Christ. You see, I made a decision to follow Jesus, and therefore I was saved. The Bible says if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You see, it's simple. God isn't trying to make it hard on us. We're the ones that make it hard on ourselves. We think we have to jump through some hoops or do these things again as love and acceptance. And it's not like that. You see, we don't have to understand every little thing about faith right in this moment. You simply just have to believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and verbally accept that free gift of salvation. We don't have to be faith giants like my dad or, or Pastor Troy right in this moment. We just have to build that faith muscle just one day at a time. So in closing, I want to remind you guys of one thing. And it's that faith isn't a feeling. Faith is the decision of putting your trust in Jesus. Thank you, guys. Give it up for Ethan! Woo! I was so engrossed in that that I almost forgot to come up. <laughs> Man, that was so, so good. Um, just a great reminder that salvation is available to every single one of us. And the fact that it's not based on an emotion, it's based on just a decision that you make, a, an acceptance of Jesus into your heart. You don't have to manufacture it. It's just there and available to every single one of us. So that's pretty incredible. You'll actually have an opportunity after service if you haven't made that decision to do that today. On the first day of 2023, before you ever walk out of the doors of this building, you can know that Jesus exists, he's real, and you can put your faith in him. Well, our fourth speaker is a mom, she's a wife, she is a full-time employee. She leads our House of Refuge, and that is where we support moms who are considering abortion, and we help them to have supplies and all kinds of different things to make sure they're equipped to be able to keep their child. She leads that ministry here at the church. She's also part of our guest services teams. And I've actually seen her on the front lines down in Charlotte, um, talking with people about the gospel. Um, she's real. She's the real deal. She goes out and she shares God's love with people who are even different than us. You know, they, they believe different than us. Mm -hmm. They don't know Jesus as their personal savior. Yeah. You know, they might be promoting another agenda, mm -hmm. but she goes and she stands with them face to face and shares God's love boldly but also just in a way that they can receive it. I've, I've never seen anything like it. And so I just want you to jump to your feet right now and welcome Felicia Bell to the platform. Thank you, Pastor Stephanie. So guys, um, in 2018, the enemy literally came from my life one evening, I found myself being rushed to the emergency room where I was immediately diagnosed with a massive, deep vein thrombosis. In other words, a blood clot. Just to put things into perspective, my entire left leg, starting from the tip of my toes, which extended to my hip, had essentially become a clot. I had some of the leading hematologists in our country, one specifically world-renowned, baffled and detailing to my husband how they had never encountered a blood clot that massive. 
Soon after, it was confirmed through x-ray that the blood clot had indeed broken up and traveled to my lungs. And I quote, your lungs are absolutely riddled with clots. No words were needed. My husband and I, we, we knew we were in a battle. But I remember vividly telling myself, no matter what I hear, no matter, no matter what I see, not even the indescribable pain I feel, I am a mighty warrior of God. You see, it's the helmet that is designed to protect the mind, which made me secure in my salvation. So the peace of God was with me. That was, that was because the word of God had been stored up and sealed in my heart. So I was literally able to take refuge in the bosom of God found in Psalms 91. So in the fight for my life, I required two emergency blood transfusions, which resulted in me flatlining. I died. But... I was brought back to life. I love to hear how the chaplain, uh, how my husband kicked the chaplain out of my hospital room because they had counted me as dead. But I was brought back to life because God was not done with me. I required emergency surgery to have the massive blood clot removed and to have a permanent stent placed in my left hip because the weight of the clot had absolutely crushed my veins. My husband is the epitome of a man of valor. There is so much time I can't account for. There were times of me screaming in pain and crying uncontrollably because of the guilt of me not knowing how my very young children were doing. So yeah, there were times where I was emotionally weak and times where my body was just so worn out, it was just nothing I could do. My husband was, he is my warrior, my shield, and my protector. He had me covered and he took care of our children. It was his eye winks. My husband's flirty eye winks have always been very special to me. Starting from the, fir uh, the first bad report we received in the emergency room, my husband would look at me in the eyes and wink with a smile, demonstrating unyielding faith every time we received a bad report. As a part of his battle plan, he declared God's hedge of protection around me by not allowing anyone friends and family included, to come into my room feeling sorry for me. And no matter what it looked like, you were expected to stand in agreement for my healing. Every doctor, nurse, and tech that came in contact with me, my husband either prayed for or with. He established with my medical team never to come into my room with doom and gloom, period. He explained to them that it did not matter what they believe. Just simply explain to us what you see and we will decide to receive it or reject it. And we always rejected the bad report. You see, our battle was a battle of the mind and we fought with faith in God's word and we fought with prayer and God came through on his promises. So we survived. 
supposed to have a picture up here? <laughs> so this picture is of me in the hospital. Wow. And um, the second picture is of me and my husband on our very first date after defeating the enemy. Amen. So there are two things that I want for you to take away from me today. And that is always be battle ready and know that our spiritual weapons are real and unmatched. Praise God. Come on. That's a prime example of God's healing power right there. We serve a God that's in the healing business. And I got to give you a high five, my man. Men, you're supposed to lead like he did. You don't accept a bad report. You stand on the truth of the word of God. Circumstances might look bad. It doesn't matter. You stand on the truth. Doctors want you to lean one way. Nurses want you to lean the other way, but you just stand on the truth. The truth that God says that by his stripes, you are healed. So thank you for sharing that. It's phenomenal. Our last speaker, I'm so excited for him. He is a father of three. Number four is on the way. So they are multiplying the earth. <laughs> Uh, he's one of our strong leaders here at camp at Central Campus, and uh, his heart for people, his heart for God, is phenomenal. You guys are gonna love what he has to say. Can you give it up for Blake Page? Thank y'all. So I was a police officer, and one of the things that I learned about the profession that people found it difficult to accept is that good men have to be capable of violence. Because violence isn't pretty, it doesn't look pretty, it doesn't sound pretty, and when you're in the middle of it, I can tell you, it, it doesn't feel pretty. But violence is necessary, because we don't live in a boxing ring, we don't live in the octagon, we live in real life. And in real life, evil doesn't fight fair. It not only attacks early and often, but it fights dirty. And it doesn't stop when you've thrown in the towel. Little bit about me before I jump into my fight. I was raised in a God-fearing family and I gave my life to Christ when I was four years old. I remember going to the grocery store with my parents and four siblings. My parents also multiplied the earth. <laughs> it was obviously eye-catching. People would comment on how well-behaved we were and I saw that as opportunity. I'd walk up to the person, look them in the eye and I'd ask, are you going to heaven or hell? The devil didn't want a child spreading the gospel, even though it was a little bit of a crass gospel, but the devil attacks early. At six years old, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome, which my doctor told me was an incurable nervous system disorder that causes uncontrollable noises and uncontrollable movements. It was like a superpower growing up. I got away with anything. Yeah. <laughs> but living life was also pretty difficult. Something as simple as sitting in a chair was next to impossible. I'd have to line my seating position up throw out my arms, roll my shoulders back, jump a few times, and then finally take a seat and then have a bunch of noises that I couldn't control to annoy the person next to me. I felt bad. I couldn't control it. They didn't understand that, but I'd have to look up at them and say, are you going to heaven or hell? <laughs> the devil quickly discovered that even though I had Tourette's and even though I was young, I knew God had made me and that I was special. Woo. But the devil attacks often. 
and after several failed attempts, he fought dirty. In 2003, my youngest sister was due a second open heart surgery, and during that operation, complications happened, and she was placed on life support. I remember at 12 years old spending what I felt like was hours in prayer for her life. My church family joined us in prayer, and I was sincerely hopeful. But she died in my parents' arms. And the devil doesn't stop when you throw in that towel. Three of his lies began to just fester in my heart. I heard prayer doesn't work. I heard the worst will always happen, and that it was up to me to survive. So by the year 2020, I had almost two decades worth of martial arts training under my belt, more than 10 years of teaching others to fight, and after 13 years as a police officer, I had surrounded myself with people I trusted, and I felt safe. But over a two-year period, city leaders had slowly become way more concerned with politics than policing. I was injured during a training accident at the police department, and then on top of that, my mom almost died in the operating room. If you take someone and put them in fear of losing a loved one or in fear of losing their health or in fear of questioning their purpose in their career, it reminds them of things that they can't control. And I was going through all three. I felt lost, I felt vulnerable, and I remember sitting alone in my patrol car some days just in tears, asking God, what did I do wrong? How do I fix this? What do I do now? Well, fast forward to the answer and my eagerness to fend off the enemy. I had grabbed all of my weapons, but I had left my shield of faith. I had grown so confident in myself that I had left my faith on the sideline. In Psalm 34, 19, David said, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him from them all. I'm not on the other side of my season of uncertainty, but I have peace. Because I know life's gonna suck sometimes. There's gonna be things I can't control, things that I can't plan or train for, but it's my faith that God will deliver me that gives me peace in the midst of my storm. I was initially gonna end with a new year, new me pep talk because it only seemed natural on January 1st, but that kind of talks about one thing. It's about me and it's about what I can do. And I've learned that no matter how hard I try without God, I'm no match against the devil. We should train, we should plan, we should prepare. That stuff's fun, but that's called stewardship but it's God's armor that takes our stewardship and makes us capable of the supernatural, capable of the spiritual. Because we don't live in a boxing ring. We don't live in the octagon. We're fighting spiritual forces that attack early, attack often, and fight dirty. And we need spiritual weapons. My faith is a spiritual weapon. It is a shield, a shield that I can pick up and lean into when times are tough and stand firm. It is a faith that I can lean into. And when the devil starts trying to push me back, I can push him back and I can still move forward with my life. It is a shield of faith that when I'm attacked, I can hold it up and have the confidence to fight back knowing God's right by my side, fighting for me. Do you have that kind of faith? Do y'all want that kind of faith? Everybody join me on your feet right now. Join me on your feet. I've got a question for you. And I'm going to preface it with a thought. 
Nothing demands a greater response than real danger. Nothing demands a greater response than real danger. You've heard five testimonies from the platform this morning that paint a vivid picture, show a stark reality that evil's out there and it's waiting for you and it's gonna attack. But, but you, don't have to, you don't have to face that attack. You've got that shield. So my question is, how are you gonna leave out that back door today? Are you gonna leave out that back door with your shield just hanging by your side like I did for so long? Or are you gonna raise that shield up? Are you gonna let your faith go in front of you so you can stand firm, so you can move forward, and so you can fight back knowing God's right by your side? If you want a greater faith for this year, I want you to raise your hand because I'm gonna pray for you this morning, and I just wanna know who I'm praying for. And what I love about this is I can see the hands of warriors saying, God, I want more faith. Let me pray for you this morning. Father God, thank you for allowing us the opportunity to come and worship you on the first day of this year. Lord, I pray for every person in this room, every person watching online. Lord, we're all leaving 2022 that had its own set of problems. Lord, we're entering 2023 with problems that we know we're going to have to face. But Lord, we want a faith that gives us the confidence to stand firm during these hard times. We want a faith that helps us move forward and also not only fight for ourselves, but fight for others as well. Lord, I pray that you would be with each person when they face these problems. And Lord, I pray that you would equip them with your armor, teach them to train in it, and teach us to be mighty warriors that, that seek your heart, that do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with you. And Lord, give us a faith that makes us fruitful this entire year. While everybody keeps their eyes closed, I have a serious question to ask. Are you going to heaven or hell? Are you fighting alone in this life? Or are you fighting alongside the creator of the universe? Do you wanna give your life to Christ this morning? Maybe you feel a tugging on your heart. That's Jesus knocking. Maybe you are beginning to realize that you can't do this thing called life on your own. You need a helper. That's Jesus calling. Jesus says that he stands at the door and knocks. And if anyone hears his voice and opens that door, he will come in and dine with you. God is the perfect gentleman. Jesus is the perfect gentleman, but the devil is not. He knows you have to open that door and he's doing everything he can right now to stop you from saying yes to Jesus, to allowing Jesus into your life and to experience the freedom that Christ has for you if you would just say yes. So shut the devil up right now. Stop his lies from invading your head and your heart. If you wanna give your life to Christ this morning, it's simple. You heard the verse earlier, I'm gonna tell you again, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, that's all it takes. So if you wanna give your life to Christ this morning to confess that he is Lord, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand if you wanna give your life to Christ this morning. I see those hands all over the room. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer that's the start of a decision that's gonna change your life. But what I'd like is for everyone in here to pray alongside you 
out of supporting your decision to show you that you are alongside other warriors. Pray with me. Pray after me. Say, Jesus, my Savior. I've been living life without you. But I don't want to do that anymore. I am a sinner. And I need you to save me. I believe you died for me. I believe you defeated death for me. I believe you were raised back to life. And sit on heaven's throne. Come into my heart. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. And give me your armor. So I can stand firm. So when times are hard, I can still move forward. And so when the devil attacks, I can fight back with you right by my side. Amen.